August the 19th. Father in heaven, Lord God, we thank you for the book of Esther that we're reading. Thank you for this opportunity to be in your place, Lord, and encourage us, Lord, as we seek your word, Lord. Meet us, Lord, as we are actions, Lord. Bless our actions as we seek your word. Lord, we thank you for today's events. Thank you for all the help. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for keeping us safe on the freeways, safe with our words. Amen. And safe in our ministry, Lord, as we deal with the people, Lord God. Bless the people we dealt with today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Esther chapter 4, verse 1 through 7 to 10. When Mordecai learned about all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on burlap and ashes, and went out into the city, crying with a loud and bitter wail. He went as far as the gate of the palace, for no one was allowed to enter the palace gate while wearing clothes of mourning. And as the news of the king's decree reached all the provinces, there was great mourning among the Jews. They fasted, wept, and wailed, and many people lay in burlap and ashes. When Queen Esther When Queen Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was deeply distressed. She sent clothing to him to replace the burlap, but he refused it. Then Esther sent for Hathach, one of the king's eunuchs, who had been appointed as her attendant. She ordered him to go to Mordecai and find out what was troubling him and why he was in mourning. So Hattach went out to Mordecai in the square in front of the palace gate. Mordecai told him the whole story, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai gave Hattach a copy of the decree issued in Susa that called for the death of all Jews. He asked Hattach to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. He also asked Hattach to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and plead for her people. So Hattach returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Then Esther told Hattach to go back and relay this message to Mordecai. All the king's official and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. So Hattach gave Esther's message to Mordecai. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at, at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Beautiful Lord. That's awesome. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then though it's against the law, I will go to see the king if I must die. I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. 
On the third day of the fast, Esther put on her royal robes and entered the inner court of the palace just across from the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her and he held out the gold scepter to her. So Esther approached and touched the end of the scepter. Then the king asked her, What do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it's half the kingdom. Wow. And Esther replied, If it please the king, let the king and Haman come today to a banquet I have prepared for the king. The king turned to his attendants and said, Tell Haman to come quickly to a banquet. Uh, as Esther had requested. So the king and Haman went to Esther's banquet. And while they were drinking wine, the king said to Esther, Now tell me what you really want. What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it's half the kingdom. Esther replied, This is my request and deepest wish. If I have found favor with the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my request and do what I ask, please come with Haman tomorrow to the banquet. I will prepare, prepare for you, then I will explain what this is all about. Haman was a happy man as he left the banquet, but when he saw Mordecai sitting at the palace gate, not standing up or trembling nervously before him, Haman became furious. However, he restrained himself and went on home. Then Haman gathered together his friends and Zersh Zeresh, his wife, and boasted to them about his great wealth and his many children. He bragged about the honors the king had given him, and how he had been promoted over all the other nobles and officials. Then Haman added, And that's not all. Queen Esther invited only me and the king himself to the banquet she prepared for us, and she's invited me to dine with her and the king again tomorrow. Then he added, But this is all worth nothing as long as I see Mordecai the Jew just sitting there at the palace gate. So Haman's wife Zeresh and all his friends suggested, Set up a sharpened pole that stands 75 feet tall. And in the morning asked the king to impale Mordecai on it. When this is done, you can go on your merry way to the banquet with the king. This pleased Haman, and he ordered the pole set up. That night, the king had trouble sleeping, so he ordered an attendant to bring the book of history of his reign so it could be read to him. In those records, he discovered an account of how Mordecai had exposed the plot of Bigthana and Teresh, two of the eunuchs who guarded the door to the king's private quarters. They had plotted to assassinate King Thervis. What reward or recognition do we ever give Mordecai for this? The king asked. Yeah. His attendants replied, Nothing has been done for him. Who is that in the outer court? The king inquired. As it happened, Haman had just arrived at the outer court of the palace to ask the king to impale Mordecai on the pole he had prepared. So the attendants replied to the king, Haman is out in the court. Bring him in, the king ordered. So Haman came in and the king said, What should I do to honor a man who truly pleases me? 
Haman thought to himself, Whom would the king wish to honor more than me? So he replied, If the king wishes to honor someone, he should bring out one of the king's own royal robes, as well as a horse that the king himself has ridden, one of the royal emblem on his head. Let the robes and the horse be handed over to one of the king's most noble officials, and let him see that the man who, whom the king wishes to honor is dressed in the king's robes and led through the city square on the king's horse. Have the officials shout as they go, This is what the king does for someone he wishes to honor. Excellent, the king said to Haman. Quick, take the robes and my horse and do just, of you, just as you have said. For Mordecai the Jew who sits at the gate of the palace Leave out nothing you have suggested. So Haman took the robes and put them on Mordecai, placed him on the king's own horse, and led him through the city square, shouting, This is what the king does for someone. He wants to honor. For someone. He wants to, he wishes to honor. Afterward, Mordecai returned to the palace gate, but Haman hurried home, dejected and completely humiliated. When Haman told his wife Duresh all and his friends what had happened, his wise advisors and his wife said, Since Mordecai, this man who has humiliated you, is of Jewish birth, you will never succeed in your plans against him. It will be fatal to continue opposing him. Oh, amazing, huh? Yeah. While we were still talking, the king's eunuchs arrived and quickly took Haman to the banquet. Esther, Esther, Esther had prepared. So the king and Haman went to the queen, Esther's banquet, to Queen Esther's banquet. On the second occasion, while they were drinking wine, the king again said to Esther, Tell me what you want, Queen Esther. What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it's half the kingdom. Queen Esther replied, If I have found favor with the king, and if it pleases the king to grant me my request, I will ask that my life and the lives of my people will be spared. For my people and I have been sold to those who would wish, who would kill, slaughter, and annihilate us. If we had merely been sold as slaves, I could remain quiet for the for that would be too trivial a matter to warrant disturbing the king. Who would do such a thing, King Xerxes demanded? Who would be so presumptuous as to touch you? Esther replied, This wicked Haman is our adversary and our enemy. Haman grew pale with fright before the king and queen. Then the king jumped to his feet in a rage and went out into the palace garden. Haman, however, stayed behind to plead for his life with Queen Esther, for he knew that the king intended to kill him. In despair, he fell on the couch where Queen Esther was reclining, just as the king was returning from the palace garden. The king exclaimed, Will he even assault the queen right here in the palace? Before my eyes? As soon as the king spoke, his attendants covered Haman's face, signaling his doom. Then Harbona, one of the king's eunuchs, said, Haman has set up a sharpened pole that stands 75 feet tall in his own courtyard. 
He intended to use it to impale Mordecai, the man who saved the king from assassination, then impale Haman on it. The king ordered, uh, then impale Haman on it. The king ordered, so they impaled Haman on the pole he had set up for Mordecai, and the king's anger subsided. Wow, what uh, a story, huh? Yeah. Amazing the turn of events. I was just about to say the same things as the turn of events that took place. <laughs> Amazing, Lord, yeah. You know, they really think if they fasted for three days yeah. and nights without water or food, without <laughs> water. <laughs> I haven't done that one. Yeah. And, and, you know, the hand of God moved on their behalf. Mm, yeah. And they were doing it simultaneously, you know. So me and my servant girls, she she fasted for three days too. Mm-hmm. I, I love the way she, the, the king asked her three times, "What is it you want? What is your times? request? I'll give it to you, whatever you want, even if it's half my kingdom." Three times he told her that. It was interesting how the the Lord, the, the angel, disturbed the king that he couldn't sleep, so he wanted something to read. Mm-hmm. And the guy read him, you know, something had happened, you know. Mm-hmm. And he had not been recognized. Yeah. And the king, it was the Lord causing him not to sleep. You know, and it just so happened that he wanted to go over the history, and he found out he didn't reward Mordecai. But I love, and now it says, "If I have found favor with you, king, with the king, with you." Yeah. And Esther was pretty sharp. She um, she set up the she set up the opportunity to get to the king to get the banquet going. Uh-huh. Beautiful. Huh? Amen. Uh, what other things was good that came out of there? Well, I just, it's amazing how he was planning such a, I mean, he planted that pole for Mordecai and it ended up being his doom. They like to say, you dig a pit for somebody and you'll fall in it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost the same thing like judgment. You know, you maybe, maybe we're, we, we're, People have bills and stuff because they judge others, and maybe it's so easy to get out of the situation, you know, to be mm-hmm. more like God. It's taking an inventory and clearing your your hard drive of all resentments and hurts mm-hmm. and stuff. Like yeah. That. The other thing that Mordecai was amazing that he knew the time of the events. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows for such a time mm-hmm. as this? Yeah. And it's funny that they like say, "Who knows?" But you know, instead of saying the Lord, it is the, I believe it's the Lord's will. They say, "Who knows for a time such as this?" Yeah. And uh, and at first Esther was bucking, bucking. Yes, I was just going to bring that point up too, is that she was like, didn't seem like she was going to go through to do what he told her to do, but he specifically told her straight up. He says here, you know. 
Um, don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. So it's like you're going down with them anyway. Uh-huh. You know, and so if you if you keep quiet like um, this, deliverance and relief from the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. So, in other words, uh, you know, if you don't take the opportunity to get this done, it'll happen. Someone else will do it, you know, but you'll die. So she either had to take the risk to get it done, you know, uh-huh. and, and to, you know, to get in and, and, and help or to die. And it was going to happen anyway because God always fulfills his plan. Uh, so I liked it a lot, but you know, it's just like, it's like God gives us a calling and he says, I'd like for you to do this in my kingdom. I give you this particular gifting, this particular opportunity. And, you know, if we don't do it, someone else will, you know, if you, if you, so, um, that's awesome. That was really good. What it, I thought was really interesting. I really liked reading that book of Esther. Okay. First Corinthians chapter 12. It says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your your questions, Corinthians, about the special ability the Spirit gives us, I, Paul, don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Mm. Amen. Beautiful. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. Amen. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the works in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other to one person the spirit gives the ability to give wise advice to another the same spirit gives the message of special knowledge Mm. the same spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else but that one spirit gives the gift of healing he gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy I give he gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit to another person. He is given the ability to speak in unknown languages with another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one only it is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The Holy Spirit decides it. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of those are Jews, some of the Gentiles, slaves, some free, but we all have been baptized in one body by one spirit. Mm -hmm. 
and we will share the same spirit. Yes, the body with many Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a, a part or the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of his body. And if a ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you pray? How would you believe? How would you smell anything? But our bodies have made, made many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if he had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eyes can never sit and say to the hand, I don't need you because, in fact, I won't. Uh, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard less honorable are those who clothe us with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those but we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the more honorable parts do not require the special honorable care so God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other if anyone if anyone part Suffers, suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the other parts are glad. Amen. Amen. The fact that our gifts all come from God's Spirit means that we are all shared the same Spirit. And that way we're all entitled together, united. As members of God's family, we may have different gifts, but we are united by the Spirit in one spiritual body. We also unite together with one goal, to strengthen each other and honor God. It is the Holy Spirit who coordinates everything to work together as one body. We can cooperate with the Holy Spirit's activity by listening attentively and obeying His direction and waiting upon Him. The Bible gives us great insight for doing this. Amen. Amen. Okay, pray in the Psalms. Let this psalm redesign your view of the world and of God's place in it. Psalm 36, 1 through 12. Sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have no fear of God at all. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they truly are. Everything they say is crooked and deceitful. They refuse to act wisely or to do good. They, they lie awake at night, hatching sinful thoughts. They, uh, Their actions are never good. Go ahead and finish it. Um, they make no attempt to turn from evil. <laughs> Your unfailing love, O Lord, is vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice like the ocean depths. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains, your justice like the ocean depths. You care for people and animals alike, O oh Lord. Wow, he cares about walking. <coughs> How precious is your unfailing love, O oh God. 
All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. You feed them from the abundance of your own house, letting them drink from your river of delight. For you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. Pour out your unfailing love on those who love you. Amen. Amen. Do that, Lord. Pour out your unfailing love on those who love you. Amen. We love you. Give justice to those with honest hearts. Don't let the proud trample me or the wicked push me around. Look, those who do evil have fallen. They are thrown down never to rise again. And Proverbs 21, 21-22 says, Whoever pursues righteousness and unfailing love will find life, righteousness, and honor. The wise conquer the city of the strong and the level, the fortress in which they trust. Reading from the book of 1 John, chapter 5. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by blood and water. It is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is true. Let me read that again. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three who bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we we have the petitions that we ask of him. If anyone sees his brother sinning, a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who com- commit sin, not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is not sin not leading to death. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. 
We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has, has given us understanding that we may know him who is true. We are in him who is true and his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God, eternal life. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. Now we're reading from chapter 4 of 1 John. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And this is the love of God, was manifested towards us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the appropriation for our sins. Beloved, if God so love us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this, <coughs> and this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Amen.